This is a podcast from 3RRR, 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. The real story of the ocean depths begins where you left off. Wonders that defy my powers of description. The secrets that are mine alone. It's two minutes past nine. You are tuned to 102.73 triple R. Maybe you're listening via rrr.org.au. It's time for this week's edition of Radio Marinara. We are the program about all things wet and salty. My name's Bron Burton. And I'm a penitent, <laughs> Dr. Sir. Oh, we'll get on to that in a minute. Yes. Funny <laughs> things have happened this week. I'm under a fatwa, but we'll get back to that. We'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, Thank you very much, Tim. Thank you very much, Andrew. Wonderful vinyl bits and soulful bits. So lovely to have Andrew here in the studio. Mm. Mm. Congratulations. Yeah. Always great. 50 shows. Mm. Whole year's worth. Mm. Brilliant. Let's get on to today's program because it's jam-packed. You can do your apology now. Oh. I wrote it down. (laughs) As Bron pointed out to me before we went in, you've known me a long time and you've never known me to apologise. <laughs> <laughs> I said, oh. Anyway, last week I was a bit overcome by the royal wedding the night before and, and the, there was a bit of a, I wouldn't call it a Freudian slip, but I was searching for a, a word to describe our guest today, uh, who, Greg, the, the knee border, and instead of saying enlightening, I said lightweight. <laughs> and as soon as I said it, I thought, uh-oh. So what happened next was I got a text from someone I didn't realise, I didn't know, and it said, so, by extension, kneeboarders are lightweight. 
exclamation mark five what four times you'll be sentenced to never having a wave to yourself again half men unite and drop in on the good doctor every wave he gets and i thought who the hell is this i don't know who it is so i panicked and it must admit i sent an email back saying look i'm going to apologize the reason I didn't know who it is is because I'm old and stupid and I don't know how to put people's names against numbers <laughs> on mobile phones. Anyway, ever since then, I've been falling off. I've been looking at people paddling out with flippers on going, oh, my God, oh, my God, here they come. And I've, I've had a cold. Everything's gone wrong in my life. Anyway, on Friday, I dropped into my good mate, Peter Wilkinson, who has been on this show, famous Wilco from the famous Wilco family, Point Leo, and he said, did you get my message? And it was him. And ever since I've known that, I felt better. You can relax a and, little bit. And I said, please remove the fatwa. I feel like curb your enthusiasm. I'm under a fatwa here. And he said, yeah, I'll see what I can do. So, but it was the wrong word. Have you... Kneeboarders <laughs> are not lightweight in any sense of that term. It's funny how um, the slip of a tongue can lead to all sorts of hmm. ensuing chaos. Anyway, so there's my apology. I apologise. And we'll have Greg in shortly and you'll know that he's not lightweight. I'm really looking forward to it. I don't know much about kneeboarding. He's going to be talking about world titles in Spain, I believe. He is. That's and what also what, what, what kneeboarding is and mm. why it's different and why you should never, ever, and I won't say the F word, you should never F with them because right. they're hardcore. See, I'm going the other way now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you hear that, Pete? You're hardcore. We believe you. <laughs> We're going to hit you up for a surf report too, Dr. Yes. Surf. We're going to then be joined in studio at around 9.30 by Dave Donnelly from Killer Whales Australia and he's going to be talking about um, sightings. They're starting to come through. It's that time of the year. And also about a report that's just been released on the Two Bays Whale Project. So some facts and figures about what happened in 2017 with various sightings of various species of whales in I've Port Phillip and Western Port. I've seen killer whales. Did you report them in? No. I didn't know I could. So oh, that's why this segment's going to be so interesting. Yeah. I saw a mother and a baby Aww. at Gunner Manor. And we were really, really worried because they have huge fins. But then when you looked at it, you saw the fins sort of flopped over at the top. Mm. So... My friend said, kill a whale. Isn't that a sign of distress sometimes if their fins are know. flopped over? There's a fantastic photo you can see if you go to Raglan in New Zealand of a killer whale breaching and four surfers paddling like crazy to the four points of the compass because they get killer whales over there quite mm. regularly. But they don't attack people from what I understand. Just seals. Mm. Well, that's all right. That's our show. Oh, Jeff. Sorry, <laughs> Jeff. Jeff Maynard's coming in and he's bringing us his latest instalment in um, Bad Australian TV and its interface with the wet and salty environment. That'll be great. He had Skippy last time. I know. It was very good. I was so sad I wasn't in here. <laughs> you can listen back on demand, but yeah, it was, it, was, uh, it was pretty good. Weather for today, heading for a top of 20, mostly cloudy, winds nor'east, 25 to 35 kilometres an hour. It's going to be windy, Dr Surf. Mm. Turning northerly up to 40 kilometres an hour in the late morning. Get your washing out. Decreasing to 30 kilometres an hour in the late afternoon, but sunny and no rain. Chance of getting it dry. I'm very washing focused on the weekend. So am I. Mm. Now I'm in the house husband. <laughs> you've, got to get it, you've got to get those it's, sunny days. There's an art to it. And the other, my other tip, you've got to bring it in at about 3, 3.30. Yeah. Before it starts to, mm. yeah. Tomorrow, mostly cloudy and 20. Tuesday, 17 in a shower or two. And then we're heading back down in the temperatures, 14 on Wednesday Yay. and a few showers, 15, yeah, meet, I agree, 15 on Thursday and shower or two, 
Friday, 14, partly cloudy and 15 on Saturday. Still warm though, isn't it? Yeah. Like it's winter at the end of this week. We shouldn't be getting te- no, temperatures we above shouldn't. 15. Whose fault is it? No. <laughs> <laughs> Careful. There's the show gone. <laughs> Surf report? Uh, tides first and then surf report. Um, Point Lonsdale heading for a high at 10.06 and then a low at 3.14 this afternoon. Surf's very small. Mm-hmm. You should get in early because of the wind. I would go down to the Gunnamatta area or Woolamai and it's about three foot, four foot. Nice little waves. Mm. So if you can find a bank, get out there because the water's still quite warm. It's about 15, which again is not right, but what can you do? Stay warm. Hmm. Couple of quick plugs, and then we'll have a track. And this first one is a plug for an event taking place. It's World Environment Day, not coming up this week, but the following one. But good to stick this one in your diary. The theme for World Environment Day this year is beat plastic pollution. So there's, it's a, a good theme. Yeah. Uh, it always is, but this one has particular relevance for us. And so there's an event taking place. This is at Williamstown Hall on the 3rd of June, so that's next Sunday, from 1 till 4.30, and Beat Plastic Pollution Beyond Recycling. So they're having uh, a whole afternoon dedicated to the World Environment Day theme for 2018, Beat Plastic Pollution Community Festival, kicking off with music and a speech from the Mayor, Donna Shield from Victorian Litter Action Alliance. She is the uh, litter champion for our state and she's going to be emceeing the event. Uh, Neil Blake, who we will call our very own Neil Blake, also known as Captain Trash mm. and uh, our baykeeper from Port Phillip Eco Centre. He'll be doing a presentation at 2.45. Um, they've also got Emma Dean, who's MasterChef winner, and Maria, Maria sorry, um, Chiaverella from My Green Garden and lots of workshops happening throughout the day. So you can pop that one in your diary for next Sunday in Williamstown. Hmm. Hmm. Sounds great. Let's have a track and then we'll uh, be joined in studio. Okay, if you don't like banjos, turn off now. (laughs) And welcome back to Radio Marinara. It is 14 minutes past nine. You just heard what you're going to do when the land goes under the water, Bron. Hmm by Bella Fleck and Abigail Washburn. Very Husband poignant. and wife, banjo players. I'm mm. right into banjos at the moment. I just think that was wonderful. It was just them. No bass guitar, no drums. No, what's that, auto-tune. Old school. Mm. We love it. Hey, we had a call from... We've got some more banjo coming up, by the way, don't we? Yes. Towards the end of the show? Kind of. We'll it, make sure we allow plenty of more time. Than, more than just two banjos, though. I've got a ripper banjo track, but I thought it was, it's even too much for you, Bron. Oh, I like banjo. Yeah. Yeah. I should bring in good old Earl Scruggs. Yeah, yeah. Remember the Beverly Hillbillies? <laughs> he used to sing that. Hey, we had a call. Thank you, Steve, for ringing in. Letting us know a couple of things. One is that uh, he said to pass on a message to you. It's two foot at Woolamite. Just my size. <laughs> it's small for you, Greg. <laughs> it's <a> small. <laughs> and also um, letting us know and uh, is going to send some images through of um, a pygmy sperm whale washed up at Jawbone. Oh. That's amazing. Where's Jawbone? Jawbone Marine um, Sanctuary is near Williamstown. Really? Yeah. Got all the way in there? Yeah. Wow. So uh, we'll, um, we'll follow that one up. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Over to you, Dr. Surf. Thank you, Bron. It is my great pleasure to introduce today a different side of surfing. We don't all just stand up and pose. <laughs> We're talking to Greg, and how would you pronounce your second name, Greg? Budgeon. Budgeon. Just as well, I didn't try. 
would have said another one of my malaprops, who uh, is back from a kneeboarding world titles in Spain last year. And Greg is a well-known kneeboarder down on the peninsula and he's going to explain to us the difference, the fundamental philosophical differences between people that stand up and people that kneel. Welcome, Greg. Morning, Dr. Surf. Uh, now, the first thing I need to ask you is what is kneeboarding? Well, we don't stand up. We're legless, we're cripples. <laughs> Not dog-faced, though. No. Back in the 70s, that's what we used to call you, and I'm ashamed. It was the 70s, you know. We had respect then. We did. Now... Yeah, what's dog-faced? I don't know, but down on the Anglesey area, we had a couple of big, nasty um, kneeboarders. One of them was called Tank. <laughs> and we used to call him Dogface Cripple and then run as fast as we could. He <laughs> was a great surfer, though. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. No, it was the best of times. But um, one thing that I will say about kneeboarders is they're very close to the wave and they're very good tube riders. Is that, would you consider that to be the, the prime benefit of kneeboarding? We've got the benefit of that low centre of gravity. Mm. And um, because we're facing forward, we can see the wave very different to the stand-up guys. First question that comes to mind for me is what kind of board do you use? Do you have a, a specially built board or...? Absolutely. Mm. We're about the only guys in the world that get custom boards these days all the time. And um, a little bit shorter, a little bit wider. Yep. These guys are de-evolving into kneeboarders. Their boards are getting shorter and mm. wider, so... As in stand-up surfers? That's right. Yeah, right. So how would you... Can you describe... Um, give us a, a visual of what a kneeboard looks like. 24 inches wide, 23 and a half, 5'8", 5'10". We um, kneel on it. Some wear flippers, some don't. And uh, we surf facing forward. We use our hips and our arms to turn. Yeah. Does it have a fin? Sorry, Dr. Surf. Oh, yeah. um, single, twin, four, three, whatever you want. Okay. Now, Greg, you don't wear flippers. No. Why is that? No, they're a pain. They change the board shape on your tail, so they give you a bit of flex that doesn't quite work with some boards. But, you know, most guys don't notice. Mm. And do you have problems with cramp in your feet when you're wearing them? And yeah, you do, but there, there's some good ones around and, and we've overcome that with knee pads and with uh, good, good small flippers. I was going to ask that about the, um, the impact on your knees because my knees get sore just from gardening. How do you go out there on a board? Do, is there special sort of divots that your knees go in on the board or, or is, it, no, is the neoprene no. enough? No, no, we've got, we've got pads that uh, Dave Parks from Queensland makes Okay. And um, they're, they're awesome. We, we get to uh, have a bit of a cushion. Do you find, um, now that you're my age, I assume, you're getting on, do you find that um, kneeboarders, I'm noticing a lot of my friends are coming down with paddle-related injuries, back-related injuries, hips? Uh, we've got all the same sort of injuries, but if you didn't play football, you're pretty safe. <laughs> Now, one of the most interesting things about kneeboarding is it's been around a, a long, long time and the boards and the people that have ridden them have had a, quite a marked influence on stand-up board design. Well, we're, we're from the future, Dr. Sir. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not arguing. We, we came back in time and we, <laughs> we helped you guys evolve and you didn't want to listen sometimes, though. And how, for the, the viewers at home, how have you helped us evolve? Well, first there was George Greeno, an American, 
who um, changed fins and made longboards actually manoeuvre. He did, and he was a kneeboarder, or still a, is. A kneeboarder. He was a mat rider now. He's in his 70s, never wears shoes, has had the same haircut for all my life. Lives in back of Byron. Yeah, we have, we have a steady, strong influence in everything surfing and really acknowledged these days. We used to, we used to be, but not, not anymore. I've seen him on... Oh, yeah, he's yeah. famous. Yeah. George, George revolutionised surfing in with his friendship with um, McTavish. Right. And that was in the days when everybody rode 10-foot, 40-pound boards. Yeah. George rode this tiny little knee board called Velo or Velo with this raked fin. How how fellow Velo is like four foot ten or something? It's a very oh, short four board. foot, barely floated. And he flew and mm. did these big carving turns with the flexible <coughs> fin. And that's um, Greg's right. That influenced surfing enormously. And the fin that I ride in my board now that's a modified um, green eye fin with a lot of flex, mm. so you can get those turns in. But there are others too, like the Steve Liss we were talking about earlier. Steve Liss in, introduced. Uh, Mark Richards to a twin fin, basically, and uh, he went on to win world champions on it. I mm. think Steve was from California. Yeah, that's right. Somewhere around Ventura. But, but George, George Greeno, just going back to him for a microsecond, he um, had this big backpack that he wore, which was a camera on his boards, and he filmed inside the barrel and Pink Floyd. Right. That's right. Oh, my God, we, we want that footage for our, our stuff. So it's multidimensional. It's not... He did this for the stand-up guys. He yeah. did stuff for everything. Now we've got little GoPros. Yeah. But that was back in the days of handshake agreements. Yeah. And the, the manager, Pink Floyd, said, we want this footage as a backdrop to our show. And so George said, well, I'll have a bit of your music for one of my movies. Mm. And they did a swap and the music was Echoes, and which is one of the great trippy mm. hippie. Um, but that, he's right... Uh, George is a great innovator and to the point where he's working now with the, with the Navy, the US Navy, developing boats that can be dropped from planes and <laughs> not sink. Huh. But a classic kneeboarder. Now, Greg, last year I think you came into the shop and said, oh, I'm going to the world titles in Spain. How did that go? Amazing. Spain was... That they don't have a history of animosity like like stand-up guys and kneeboarders have in Australia and California. So there's this uh, freshness. There was even a, a, a friend, Ruben, running his kneeboard school there. and uh, For kids? For everyone. So <gasps> visitors from, from the UK or from Spain or from France come down and get to kneeboard. Any thoughts on why that's the case, this lack of animosity between the two genres? Wow. Genres, is, can I use that word? The, yeah. the two, styles. yeah, styles. the two styles of surfing. Why is there not that animosity in Spain? I'm, I'm not really sure. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm wondering if it's just a, an extension. I don't of know about animosity. I think that's too strong a word. It's just typical. I'm going back to your tank story. Typical male, you know, young male adolescent competitiveness. Yeah, here though. And, and you know, I mean, in the 70s, if anyone was even a micro different, you just laid into them. Right. Because that was the, the culture. We, we were just better than the stand-up yeah. guys. That, that, that <laughs> was the problem. We were Look, deeper in the barrels. Absolutely. There's no question about it. And they, these guys are going, how the hell do we get there? We want to be, be like them. So anyway, back to Spain. Yeah, beautiful World place. Titles. Whereabouts was it held? Somo, northern Spain, near Mandaka. 
Mm. We didn't get Mandaka on. It was very small when we were there. It did turn on. One of the guys, Gavin Coleman, numerous times world champion, he went and had a look. Seven-second barrel that he couldn't get anywhere out of, and there was 300 guys. But um, Michael Novikov, who is three or four times world champion from my youth, uh, one of my heroes, he he won it, and deservedly so. Now I have to ask about women and kneeboarding. There's, a, there's been a lot of women kneeboarders. Mm-hmm. Uh, their level, because of the lack of competitiveness, hasn't sort of progressed that much, but they're, they're still good. Is that just because the, it hasn't been developed yes. from a competition? Yeah, female stand-up surfing was a similar sort of crossroad mm. a long time ago, and then they All changed. of a sudden it took off. Yeah. Do you think the same thing will happen with no. female kneeboarders? No. no. Why? There's not enough. Okay. Is we're, that... we're, we're a dying breed. We, we Until we found the internet, we were very micro little groups right. and now we're united um, but there's just not enough young yeah you know, I was going to ask do you find are there any young neighbourhoods coming through or there is there is in New South Wales uh, Sydney uh, Narrabeen and there's guys in Spain are they sort of clustered around guys that make kneeboards because it can be hard to find a, a good well, we've got to... great kneeboard shapers all around the world South America Spain mm. Um, we had Neil Luke down on the island. That used to, a lot of guys got their their boards from, but he's moved now, hasn't he? South America, living the dream, surfing on crowded waves. Crikey, good on you, Neil. Now, just just to finish up on on the world titles, um, when is the next one, and how often do they have them? And every two years, we've been to Tahiti, New Zealand, Spain, US, and we're going to Dunedin with Murray Ware. And he's organising it all over there. What time of year will that be? Uh, February, so it'll be warm. Oh, that's not too bad. It can get very cold down there. Yeah, good waves, though. Mm. Is there a particular type of wave that you think suits kneeboards better than...? Uh, Kelly Slater's wave pool, yeah, (laughs) absolutely. (laughs) We might just finish up on that. With with another thing we were talking about in the car is the number of wave pools that are going in. Can't wait. They've started building one... Marine, is that right? Yeah, we're going to have a, one of our state rounds there. Fantastic. Um, just a quick question um, via Nerida, who's panelling for us today. Thanks, Nerida. Um, footage, where can people check out some good footage? Is there a particular... Um, just, just Google. Just Google it. Yeah, but you have to type in kneeboard surfing or you get kneeboard skiing. Oh, wow. We don't, we don't hold a rope, so... Kneeboard? Oh, you mean behind a boat? Yeah. Oh. oh. I thought you meant snow skiing <laughs> on no, your knees, but hang on. It's a is whole that a new thing? world. That could be a thing. I've never seen it. No, but there's, there's, there's knee mals. And knee mals? Yeah. What, there, there's knee sups, but they're not a sup, they're not a stand-up. Can you hang board. both knees from the, to- from no, the nose? No, 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 not quite. <laughs> when you say knee mal, is that as in kneeboarding on a mal? A long board. Wow. That would take some skill. I did that. When, did you? when my back was really bad and the surf was so good and being a really sensible kind of bloke, instead of staying in the car park, I paddled out and kneeboarded and completely effed my back. Right. I had to crawl up. Anyway, it was fun. And the thing that I noticed about it was it's really, you're really close to the wave. Yeah. Really close to the wave. And that is very enjoyable. Cool. Hmm. So now, if you want to learn how to kneeboard, just go to your local um, surf school and demand that they teach you how to kneeboard. Do you teach, Greg? No, not nope. kneeboarding. Maybe not at this stage. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, Greg. Thank you, Dr. For sir. getting up so early and coming down all the way into this metropolis on a sunny day. Have you come from a long way today? 
Mornington Peninsula. Oh, right. Very good. We drive up the freeway and say, look at all these tall buildings and go, where, what, where did they come from? <laughs> yeah. It's a pink one. <laughs> I live in the city and I do the same thing. <laughs> Fantastic. Thanks so much, Greg. Thank you. Have you in again. Awesome. Hi, this is Wayne Lynch and you're listening to Radio Marinara on 3RRR. Indeed you are. 9.28 and we're just going to do a couple of quick, quick newsy announcements. Uh, things to put in your diary. We've already mentioned the one for World Environment Day. Uh, This is a very special screening which is taking place down in Queenscliff and thanks to Mark Rodrigue for letting us know about this one. This is for World Oceans Day which is always June the 8th. It's always three days after World Environment Day and there's going to be a screening of Albatross in Queenscliff. Albatross uh, is a stunning new film focusing on the scourge of marine plastics on the Albatross on remote Midway Island in the Pacific Ocean. Um, there is a, a Vimeo preview which we'll put a link to on our Facebook page if you want to have a look at this. It is got some, it has got some really disturbing elements to it, so just be aware of that. Uh, there's also going to be uh, a presentation by Mel Wells. She's just recur- returned from a year studying albatross and other birds as a volunteer on Macquarie Island as well. So Friday the 8th of June, Queenscliff Town Hall from 6 till 8pm. If you want some bookings, we'll put this on our Facebook page too. You need to uh, contact Emma Westlake. So that's Westlake lake at parks.vic.gov.au to make sure that you uh, secure a place along to that. Uh, I think we might leave it at that one for now and we're going to listen to some music and then be joined in studio by Dave Donnelly from Killer Whales Australia. Uh, this is a very special track from Not Drowning Waving, um, another important event to promote, which we'll talk about after this one. But uh, have a listen to this for the meantime. This is Fishing Trawler. Not Drowning Waving there and Fishing Trawler taken from Notes from an Island from uh, back in 1988. It's 9.34, minutes to 10. You are listening to Radio Marinara and uh, before I introduce our next guest, I had to also mention the reason why I played that track was to uh, to give a really big plug for a benefit gig which is taking place. It's for George Tellick. Uh, who has, is an incredible musician and has been very closely associated with Not Drowning Waving, My Friend the Chocolate Cake, David Bridie, and um, has been at the forefront of Pacific music scene for the last 40 years. So he has recently been diagnosed with mouth cancer and has needed all sorts of expensive treatment. So this is an incredible benefit gig which is taking place to support him. Not Drowning Waving, Underground Lovers, and uh, a whole series of other guests as well. So 9th of June, 6 p.m., and it's on at Memo Music Hall. The doors open at 6. Showtime is from 7 until 11.30. And uh, tickets $60 plus booking fee, uh, $50 for reserved seating and general admission 35 So we'll put some uh, links to that benefit gig on our Facebook page as well. Now it is May. It's late autumn. The footy season's in full swing. Uh, trees are dropping leaves. And finally, coats and scarves are out. Also means that it's the time of the year when whale watching season is just around the corner. So to tell us all about it and a really interesting new report which has just come out um, on various whale watching uh, statistics, facts and figures from last year from Killer Whale Australia. Dave Donnelly, good morning. Good morning, Brian. Good morning, Dr Surf. Morning. Thanks for coming back. My pleasure. It's Yay. lovely to be here. We said we were going to get you back last time. You did and here I am. True to our word. Absolutely. Me too. <laughs> yes, indeed. Now, let's talk about some sightings. So there's what, the sightings, do they generally start about this time of the year? 
Yeah, typically uh, we we think round about June, Queen's Birthday weekend sort of timing. But um, we've had sightings from March this year, so very early. The, uh, the humpback whale migration is getting very long, broad and drawn out along the coastline. So we're starting to see animals earlier and later in the season. Mm. Now, we had a call earlier from Steve who rang in to let us know about a whale which uh, he has some images of, said it had washed up at Jawbone Marine Sanctuary and we were trying to work out, he, he said he thought it might have been a pygmy sperm whale. Do you know anything about this one? Yeah, we um, we got a phone call about that with through the Two Bays Whale Project, and uh, yeah, it's what we call a cogia. Uh, cogia is a very unusual genus of uh, whale, and uh, there's two species within that genus, and one of them we don't know which one are washed up at Jawbone the other day, and um, yeah, going by the photos, it could be either one of the two, but they're very similar in appearance. But uh, regardless of that, it, it's a long, long way from home. Where 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 is home? Uh, for these guys in yeah, this part of the world, we're not exactly sure because no one studies them. But uh, typically in the ocean, oceanic environment, so looking over the pla- over the shelf on the shelf break and uh, deeper water. Yeah, it's obviously got very lost if it's ended up at Jawbone. How it did that? I do not know. Yeah, amazing. Uh, and off air, we were talking about another sighting during the week. Can you tell us about that one? Yeah, we also had a report of a very large whale off uh, around Portland near the Fitzroy River that's washed ashore. It's presumed to be a, a blue whale, but it's pretty dead so uh, difficult to tell for sure but it looks like a very very large animal but quite a remote location so uh, who knows what will happen to that one yeah blue whale in portland has that happened before that yes, you're aware has. of right yeah they're, they're there seasonally during the bonnie upwelling season and uh we we do hear of some animals being washed ashore every now and then but uh, not very frequently mm. and so the whale watching season around victoria but also can you talk us through the migration patterns because we know that it happens i think people who are really into whale watching would probably have it marked on their calendar when to start looking out for them um tell us a bit tell us what we know yeah we're pretty blessed in victoria actually because we have uh, the humpback whales of course coming through winter season into spring and then uh, of course we have the blue whales off the coast of portland uh, during the summer so uh, if you're a really keen whale watcher it's not a bad place to be but uh, as far as the migration of humpback whales goes we're expecting about 33,000 animals coming back south this year uh, that's up from between 200 and 400 animals on the east coast uh, post commercial whaling so um, yeah we, we expect people to start taking to the cliffs anytime now there's been a couple sightings off uh, Phillip Island I can remember Dr. Beach interviewing someone um, last year or the year before, and he was mentioning that he he considered that the, the numbers are now what they were pre-whaling. Would you agree with that, or is it difficult to tell? Yeah, some people a lot smarter than me would be able to do some statistical mod- modelling on that and perhaps uh, get close to an estimate. But I, there are some concerns now that the, the population is uh, or the environment's reaching its uh, carrying capacity. But uh, who knows, uh, with so much changing in the oceans these days, it's going to be very difficult to be able to determine what is going to be a carrying capacity for such a large mammal. Mm. And obviously the big change from those days to now is what's happening, what's happened with fishing and commercial fishing. And that's been a complete game changer, but it's fascinating that the whale numbers, if they're actually getting up to that um, that stage, that state, that uh, the impact of commercial fishing maybe hasn't been as big on whale numbers as maybe some might have thought. Yeah, I guess it depends on what you're fishing for. Mm. Um, the humpback whales are, of course, feeding mostly on krill but also mm. on bait fish 
um, it's really difficult to, to draw that correlation. I'm not really sure what the effects are, but certainly some of the other effects like entanglement and uh, collisions, they're still very present. In fact, we had an entanglement last year during the Two Bays Whale season where our, uh, our uh, lovely citizen scientists were lined along the cliffs tracking this entangled humpback whale and were able to watch it until it threw the entanglement, what we call throwing the entanglement, so losing the grey pots and swimming off. So a very good outcome there, which didn't require intervention. Mm. Where are the best spots for spotting whales? This time of year, I would expect people to go to Phillip Island and uh, the Nobbies, Cape Willamai, uh, Pyramid Rock's always a really nice one because that sticks out a fair way off the island, so the whales tend to pass fairly closely there. Mm-hmm. But also um, anyone, anywhere on the, the uh, Bass Coast where you've got elevated land and, of course, Point Nepean and, and those areas there. Cape, Cape Shank. Shank. Yeah. Cape Shank's great. I've seen blue whales from Cape Shank. I almost ran off the road once because I was driving along Cape Shank and I looked across and thought, oh! <laughs> there was two or three of them, right? But, yeah, they're easily seen. And it, they've got quite distinguishing features, don't they? It's reasonably easy to tell a humpback from a southern right from a blue whale. Yes, all three of them are vastly different looking. Um, you need to get a reasonable look at them. So I guess the first giveaway for a southern right is that it doesn't have a dorsal fin. Mm. It's mostly black. It has some white on its head, which is known as callosities, and that's its ide- identifying features for an individual. The humpbacks do have a, um, a dorsal fin, but they've also got very, very long pectoral flippers or fins, and uh, they have a, they're, they're sort of a contrasting grey and white colour. And they have a real sort of arc in generally in, in terms of how they come up and go down, don't they? Yes, which gave them the name humpback from mm. the whalers. Um, yes, they arch up quite high on, their, on what we call the terminal dive, which is the last dive of the surface intervals. And uh, you, you'll know to get your camera ready when it starts to do that because its hail's coming up. Yeah, right. Often, not every time. <laughs> now let's uh, turn our attentions to this new report. This is the Two Bays Whale Project Summary for 2017. Let's talk a little bit about the Two Bays Whale Project. What is it? It's a citizen science initiative led by the Dolphin Research Institute uh, in collaboration with Wildlife Coast Cruises at Phillip Island. So between the, uh, the two organisations, we've been able to bring together a large network of citizen scientists, people who are interested in the ocean but super interested in whales, and uh, those people are reporting sightings to us, which we then archive, catalogue and then sift out resites because, of course, you're going to see the same whale moving along the coast by several people. So there's a bit of a challenge in doing that. Um, and then collating that information into a report annually, which we submit to the Victorian Biodiversity Atlas, as well as um, all the re- relevant departments and stakeholders. So it's a, it's a great little project, currently unfunded, but um, a lot of fun to do. And it's been going for about three years? It has. This is our third year of the official sort of um, project in itself, but we have supplementary data back to about 1984. Um, so we've got a bit of data that's dating back quite a long way and we've brought together about uh, 2000 and I think it's 2001 individual animals we think around about that. How many people are involved Dave at the moment? We have some regular contributors, people mm. who go out to uh, places to track whales that are entangled for, for instance mm. um, and then we have all our supplementary people so people who just happen to see a whale while they're surfing or driving along the coast like uh, Dr Surf was running off the road we don't encourage that of course <laughs> <laughs> and if you do happen to do that make sure you get the sighting into us yes. before you have any other how problems How do I do that? Um, well I wouldn't encourage the use of mobile phones while you're driving but uh, <laughs> Siri's usually quite handy for things like that isn't she? Siri doesn't like me for some strange reason. It's probably because I swear at her a lot. She She keeps telling me there's no need for that kind of language. (laughs) (laughs) But if I do see some whales, how do I... 
log in and contact you? Uh, the best way to do it is to either use our Facebook page by a Facebook messenger mm -hmm. or alternatively the Dolphin Research Institute has an online citing form which you can enter all of your information onto and it's a prompting form. Um, you can then submit that. It comes to our uh, research offices and then you'll get a return email just acknowledging that we've received it. And uh, if there's anything that's outstanding or missing, we, we can always call you up and, and uh, talk to you about those things. So let's have a look at the 2017 report. Um, can you give us a quick summary of what happened last year? We saw more whales than the year before. Okay. <laughs> uh, there you go. Uh, we had about 219 sightings reported to us, um, which involved four species. That was a humpback whales, it was southern right whales, killer whales, which I heard you mention earlier, Dr Surf, mm -hmm. and also one fin whale, which is a very, very unusual sighting, which was inside Port Phillip. Um, amongst all that, we had that one entanglement. We had three strandings as well. Um, and, of course, we recorded our 50th whale, which I came in to talk about. That's uh, right. Another time when I visited. So uh, it was a very exciting year last year and we're expecting something similar this year, if not better. Now, are you on the hunt for recruiting not just whales but people to record them? Uh, yeah, we're always interested to have more, more and more people on our, um, on our Facebook page and certainly submitting sightings. Um, so anybody who is keen to do that, just please do uh, send us a message and, and even a photo would be great. Just getting back to killer whales, um, what time of year would... I've, I've seen them a couple of times, both times September, October. Yeah, October's not a bad month, particularly around Phillip Island. And do, do you see them more often? Do you know where they come from? Are they how much do we know? We, we're still scratching the surface with killer whales. They're very difficult to study in this part of the world because they're so mobile. They're, they're rarely spending more than a few hours or maybe a day in any one location. Fortunately for us, we've got an excellent citizen science network across the whole east coast of Australia and down to Tasmania and across to Victoria and South Australia. And people are submitting photos. So with killer whales, it's quite easy to tell one from another because they often move around the same pods that they, they might have for a lifetime even. Um, I heard you mention one with a flopped over fin. Um, if my records are correct, that would be EA0002. Okay. Uh, commonly known as split fin. And uh, is that a female? She is a female. Yeah, we believe yeah. she's the matriarch of that group. Okay. And she, we, she's been on rail records since 2002. Oh, um, wow. So she's got a, a boyfriend she's had for quite some time, which may even be her son. Mm. Um, and uh, we know one of the other uh, females in the group who's been carving about every three to four years. And so, um, do they go into the bay? Because I've got a friend who swears he saw killer whales off Werribee. Yes, we have a record of a, a killer whale sighting off Werribee through a, um, through a scope. I think it was some birders who saw them. Mm -hmm. um, also Dramana, we've had them off Mornington, um, Portsea. Really? Queenscliff. So they regularly do come into the bay, maybe once or twice a year. And just for my benefit, are there any records of attacks of killer whales on people? Of course there are, in, in captivity. Oh, of course, yeah. <laughs> but in, in the real world, let's say the natural world, because when I saw the killer whale, I thought, oh, that's okay. They're not going to bite me. Was I being naive? No, I think you're probably being... Correct. You know, uh, there's no records of them attacking people in the wild. There are some cu curious encounters, we'll call them, where they approach mm. people in the wild, whether they be on surfboards or, mm. or on, uh, on boats. But uh, no records of them being aggressive. In fact, quite the opposite when we have tried to work with them underwater. Mm. We'll have to wind up. Thanks so much, Dave. It's my pleasure, For Bron. coming in. And um, let's get you back in again. 
because we said we'd do that last time and we have. Absolutely. <laughs> We've got our whale festival coming up, so we'd love oh. to promote that next visit. Yeah, when's Ooh, that? When's that? That'll yeah. be in July. Okay. July 6 to 9, three, day, um, three days over a weekend during school holidays and there'll be whale watch cruises and all sorts of fantastic things to do around Phillip Island. All right, brilliant. So how right. about in about four weeks? We'll, okay. we'll liaise in the green room and lock that in. Okay, Brilliant. see you in the green room. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Bron. Dave Donnelly there from Killer Wales. Australia, 12 minutes to 10. You're listening to Radio Marinara on 3 R. We're going to hear a track. Dr Surf, this is one of yours. It is. And there's not a lot of um, banjo in this, but just a little one. This is Sarah Giroux. <laughs> Hi, I'm David Suzuki, and you're listening to Radio Marinara on 3RRR 102.7 FM. And welcome back. And that track was called Build Me Up From Bones by Sarah Giroux, spelt J-A-R-O-S-Z from about five years ago. Excellent. Thank you, Dr. Surf. Quick, uh, very quick dive report from Terry, who just sent me a text and said, Great day outside heads, diving Canberra and J4 yesterday. J4 is a sub. Hmm. So thanks, Terry, for that. Welcome, Jeff Maynard. Good morning. <laughs> He's looking, Sorry. Looking. I'm, I'm looking a bit pale. I've, I've actually got a confession to make. I'm in, I'm in a lot of trouble and I'm just going to kind of fess it all out. Right. All that kind of thing. Because I've made a huge mistake. Do you remember the movie from the 1990s, Ed Wood, with Johnny yes. Depp, where he's a really dodgy filmmaker and he finally makes a thing called Plan 9 from yep. Outer Space and he's sitting in the um, he's sitting in the theatre at the premiere and he looks up and he's beaming. He's going, this is the one I'm going to be remembered for. You know. Yes. Well, like, I'm in a lot of trouble because... I made a huge mistake. I played Skippy too early the last time I was on and everyone's been talking about, oh, when you did Skippy and Skippy saves the boat and all that sort of stuff. And so how do I beat it? You know, it's like Skippy's the one I'm going to be remembered for. So yeah. <laughs> what my mistake was, I should have left Skippy till the like December show and I would have been okay and everyone could have gone on holidays. But anyway, so what I've decided to do... Um, uh, is is not try and beat it. I, I racked my brains during the week. What can I do? I even found an episode of Lassie where Lassie works with a pelican and saves a couple oh. of scuba divers. You know, but this is Australian TV and Lassie's not Australian, so I, I, it's Australian TV year. So what I've decided to do is not try and beat Skippy. Is just do a show that's so bad, so unfunny, so boring that people go, oh yeah, yeah, okay, and just forget all about it, and then I can rebuild. So what, that's what I'm going to do. This, <laughs> that's what I'm going to do this episode. So if you want to turn off, make your coffee. <laughs> go and read the Sunday Age no. or whatever. That, that's okay. Today's sound waves is uh, not the one I'm going to be remembered for. Um, and it's uh, an Australian TV show from the 1960s called The Adventures of the Sea Spray. Oh. And it was the first of a series of shows where they chuck a lot of people on a uh, boat, a sailing ship, sail them around the, um, you know, somewhere off the, the Great Barrier Reef when it was still great. And they have adventures for half an hour each week. And it's usually a widow or dad, and this one's a widow or dad, and then a couple, the three teenage kids and they're on their boat and off they go. They made a huge mistake in this. They didn't get any overseas sales because they forgot to put on the boat a funny Australian animal. You know, when, yeah. when, when they came back with the Rovers and uh, other shows like this Great Barrier Reef, they always had a little, you know, the young, cute... 12-year-old kid with freckles had a koala or something like that, you know. So, but so this one didn't really get off the ground in Germany and all those places. So they forgot the koala or the, you know, the, the little wombat wandering around the deck. You know. Who played the dad? Oh, some forgettable New Zealand uh, actor called William somebody. And when oh, you okay. sort of looked him up on IMDb, he's known for Adventures of the Sea Spray. You think, well, that's, that's your career right there, mate, you know. So anyway, um, they're all sailing around somewhere off the, the Queensland, you know, that they can get the locations and the crew to... 
and they land, they find an uncharted island and they sort of go ashore. It is a fine ship he has, small but well built. Is it our ship you want? And what is it? We came upon this island by chance. I ask you to let us go. He'd be just like the rest of them, Tobias. Captain Bly may be long dead, but not his world. Bly? What are you talking about? We keep you here. What of the ship? We strip it, break it up. Even her timbers will be of some use. But why? So they've landed on this island, and these guys come out of the uh, out of the jungle with really dodgy sort of Australian oldie worldy accents, and they say "yee," you know, and, and they mix up their vowels and all that sort of stuff. Um, and it turns out they're descendants of um, the, the mutiny of the Mountie, and that's how they, they've survived. And they take these people to an immaculately clean sort of hut, and, and everyone's wearing immaculately clean clothes, and and, and the women all look terrific. Uh, and and Dad and the three kids are sitting in the hut trying to figure all this out. The way they talk, it's all pretty weird. Captain Bly, of course. William Bly of the Bounty, but Dad, that was two hundred years ago. These people couldn't have anything to do with that. The mutineers landed on an island near Tahiti. They mixed with the natives, started a new life, and disappeared to places all over the Pacific. You mean these people are... Descendants of those mutineers. Yeah, and so we keep the little drum going in the background. That's, that's the other side. Besides having immaculately clean huts on the sand and everyone walking around with permed hair and everything after 200 years it's living on their fast island. pretty pace. Yeah, it? yeah. And there's only about 20 people on the island, so no inbreeding or anything like that. They're all, they're all pretty good. Um, and and uh, they keep the drum going the whole time. Anyway, someone comes in and, and exercises his, um, his terrible accent. A word of warning. Do not try to escape. Our men will shoot. Your forefathers showed more mercy to Captain Bly. At least they gave him a boat to get back in. You know of that? Then you must also know that in return, our forefathers were hunted throughout the Pacific. When they were caught or gave themselves up, they were hanged. But that was the 18th century. Has the world changed? Our forefathers knew. The world will always be governed by men like Captain Bly believe what you will but i beg you to let us go we will not risk our way of life on the word of a stranger never <laughs> so they hold their little sort of powwow get all the community together and decide we're pushing it for time so we'll just jump into the big final sort of dreadful thing these intruders have had ample opportunity to renounce their way of life but they have shown by their actions that they will not change and that they will not join our world. Therefore, this tribunal must decide what must be done with them. Each of ye will give your opinion. But let it be brief and to the point. Where are the drums? We must protect our islands, our people. Ye would kill them. If I had to. One vote for death. Ye, Rob. Death. I have no other choice. So, <laughs> rather than return to the world of Captain Bly where there's mean people and all that sort of stuff, we'll just kill everybody that comes to our <laughs> island yeah. and that's why we'll maintain our little happy paradise. Um, there it is. I've got it out of the way. I've confessed. I've probably been let out of the 
triple R building this morning in handcuffs like Harvey Weinstein going, oh, it wasn't as funny as Skippy taking away. But anyway, I've got it out of the way. I thought it was great. I've got it out of the way. When I get my time machine, I'm going back to the 60s because I could be an actor then. Anybody could. Actually, in that show, there was a guy and he was a Fijian and he walks around with his little wrap around the whole time and uh, bare chest and quite muscular. And when they shot the pilot in Fiji, he was a local cop and they said, you look good. <laughs> so he got the rest of the episodes. And there's one episode where they come to Melbourne and they sail up the uh, Yarra River past Williamstown. Some guy jumps off a boat and he goes, and this guy's walking around Melbourne in his little wrap around, this yeah. Fijian cop with the massive hair. And he looks great. And there's a car chase or something around Luna Park with this guy. It's some... Can you do this one? Can we have that one next time? No, Bron. Oh, please. Uh, Bron, please. sorry, don't twist. Twist the knife. Don't <laughs> twist the knife. Thank you, Jeff. You're welcome. That was fabulous. Thanks, Dave Donnelly from Killer Wells Australia. Thanks also to Greg Budgen um, bringing us up to speed on the enlightening world of kneeboarding, Dr. Surf. Thank you, Dr. Yes, Surf. Yes, not the, the heavyweight. It was the heavyweight world. Yeah, absolutely. That's right. Um, uh, thank you very much, Nerida, for panel beating for us today. Thank you, Kent, in the green room, taking your calls. A whole bunch of stuff we'll be putting up on Facebook uh, probably this evening by the time I get around to it. On next week's show, Ant's going to be in. Cade Mills is going to be in talking about uh, the upcoming AMSA conference and some great stuff going on for our wonderful postgraduate students here in Victoria. Uh, there is a day coming up where they can present all of their postgraduate research. So uh, we'd let Cade bring us up to speed on that next week. Have a great Sunday. I'm off to Megahertz training and uh, stay tuned for radiotherapy. See you next time. Bye for now. This has been a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Want to hear more? Check out our website at rrr.org.au.